Welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jackson Caldwell, RJ Schaefer here, coming to you live after one day after clean old-fashioned hate. Georgia Tech hung closer than many people anticipated, lost 31-23. We're here to break it all down, recap the game, give our thoughts, kind of set the scene for the next couple of weeks, you know, prep for the bowl game, transfer portal, all that kind of stuff. First of all, RJ, how you doing, man? Uh, Good, not as good as I can be. Yeah, it's, it's never good waking up, you know, waking up the next day after a loss. But, you know, I know Brent Key's not into moral victories, but dang it, man, I am. Like, there are some moral victories to be had here. And, I, I you know, I want to kind of talk about that, kind of, you know, talk about what this result means in, in kind of the bigger picture, you know, the program. But I guess let's just start digging into it right from the start. Um. This was a game that nobody was giving Georgia Tech any type of shot to even hang tough in. I think the odds re- odds makers reflected that it was a 24-and-a-half-point spread. I picked Georgia to win in a blowout. Um, but a little bit like last year, Georgia Tech come out and they scored first. That's the second straight year they, they did that. I know last year – um, they hit a big, they hit a deep pass, and then uh, our old friend Tyson Pumachon, now at UMass, ran it into the end zone, and Georgia Tech was up seven nothing. Well, something similar. It was a little bit different this time. They didn't score on their first possession, but we'll get into that in just a second. But it was a good first half. Georgia landed some some big punches in the second half, and even though they tried to make some mistakes down the stretch, Tech couldn't capitalize on them enough. And I want to start with the run game and the play calling, though. Um, they ran for over 200 yards. The only other team that ran for over 200 yards on Georgia this year was Auburn, who I think ran for 219, if I'm not mistaken. And we talked about that as being one of the keys to the game on Friday. We said, this Georgia defense is very, very good. It's not quite as good as the past couple of years. Like they, they have some lapses in the game where they can't stop the run. Their secondary is probably the best in the country. But again, the front seven has had trouble stopping the run. Auburn with their QB run game and other things, just just really ran it good on them. Cody Schrader at Missouri had over 100 yards a, a few weeks ago. That's probably the, the most consistent aspect of Georgia Tech's offense because while their passing game is good and explosive, they have been prone to turnovers as well. And we saw that play out last night. I mean, Jamal Haynes had a very good game. He had over 80 yards. Dante Smith, I think, wound up finishing with 69 yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken, or 68. 68. Yeah. yeah, Haynes King wound up finishing with with twenty four, and some a lot of he had more than that, but the sack uh, towards the end of the game negated a lot of that for him. And he's a quarterback that hasn't got sacked a lot much this year. Um, what what did you think of the run game, and also just kind of bigger pictures, Buster Faulkner's play calling? Because I thought it was outstanding and probably the best game he did all year. Yeah, I I would one thousand percent agree. Um, his use of motion, his use of you know, these unique blocking schemes up front um, really let us break through in the offense. Uh, Haynes King had a big game, uh, but I want to point out Jamal Haynes because he had uh, a yards per carry of 5.4 last night against a Georgia Tech uh, rush defense that was um, top 10 in the country uh, in success rate before this game. Um and I really think we found ways to get people into the run game that normally aren't. Eric Singleton uh, had, you know, one big rush, kind of an end around. And then Pyron, 
uh, one of the back quarterbacks came in and converted a big first down sort of later in the game. Yeah, I mean, I thought the blocking was very good because, you know, in years past, you know, Georgia Tech has not been able to to run, uh, even though, you know, they had some mild success at some things last year. They they it was noticeable the the push they were getting on the offensive line and I know earlier in the week Kirby Smart praised it as a physical group and you know a, a, a much improved group and you know I think when you hear that I, some you can say it's just coach talk coach speak whatever like he's just you know saying what he has to but I, I do think it, it it's good that he recognized how much they've improved and we we've talked about it on here you know they. Only allowed, including this game, 15 sacks this year, which is really good. The the run blocking has, since the start of the year, been very, very good because, you know, arguably not being able to run the football in that first game against Louisville is is what cost them because they they couldn't get it done. But I I thought it was just a great game all around. I thought the the, the Singleton play that you had – uh, pointed out like that that was again just well designed it went for 57 yards and there was there was just clear space in front of him it wasn't like Georgia missed a bunch of tackles it was just designed to get him in in open space and they did that to perfection yesterday um and I, I, I there's not much I can really say about how how good the offense was we'll we'll get into the defense a little bit but you know I know we'll we'll talk about Georgia missing some players on the offensive side but people need to remember George Georgia's healthy on defense <laughs> like this was not like they had like all freshmen or walk-ons and playing their third string just because they don't get nobody hurt for Alabama. Georgia was playing with their guys last night, and Georgia Tech was able to move the ball on them. And I, I think that is something to build off of. Yeah, I really – I think this was a better performance than we had um, against a lot of – I don't want to say worse teams, but you know, <laughs> worse teams earlier in the year that I think we performed better than. Like, I think we played better in this game than we played against Bowling Green, who we let up, you know, 38 points against. Uh, Same thing with, like, Boston College. Like, we scored more on Georgia than we did on Boston College. And I think that's something that, um, even though we lost, you know, we can hold, again, a moral victory, hold pride in the fact that, you know, we scored the most points out of any team against Georgia this year. Yeah. So I guess let's just kind of transition over to the other side of the ball. There was a lot of the same issues. Now, Georgia was missing probably their top three of their top four pass catchers. Brock Bowers stands above all of them. There not really been any whispers of him being out this week. That was kind of just thrown in there pregame. At least that's what it seemed to me. Um, you know, he he had been played. I think he had played in every game. You know, he came back against Ole Miss. Then he played against Tennessee. It, it appeared that he was all good to go. I I was a little surprised he didn't play. I think he dressed, if I'm not mistaken, but he did not play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Ladd McConkey he was ruled out earlier this week, and then Ra Ra Thomas didn't play as well. So they were a little shorthanded there. And I'll, I'll say this. You could tell on offense the game plan was we know Georgia Tech is like 128th in rush defense. We're just – we're going to run halfback dive, inside zone, just very basic run, runs – running game concepts and if if you can stop it we'll we'll switch it up if you can't that's just what we're gonna do we're not gonna get super diverse we're not gonna you know use our best play calls we're gonna save that for next week against Alabama I do think that is a a valid point to make like I I don't think you could say the same thing about the defense but I do think Georgia's Georgia's game plan on offense was pretty clear to be pretty vanilla in my opinion 
Mm. Yeah, and really, I, I think Kendall Milton ended up. Yeah, he ended up averaging eight point seven yards. So we we really couldn't even get to the run game at all. Carson Beck wasn't sacked, so they they could keep it as vanilla as they wanted. Like we didn't give them any 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 pressure to change the game plan. No, and you know, me and you talked about you know the ways that they can get stops or uh, Georgia was could call their own number, but the way that, that that Tech made dents in the game was they'd have to turn the ball over and get pressure on Beck. They did get turnovers, but it wasn't enough. Like that, like two turnovers, it just wasn't enough. Like, and they capitalized on both of them. Like, you know, Dewana Edwards fumbled the ball at the beginning of that game. Tech goes in and scores uh, on a Haynes King touchdown run. Carson Beck, the pop, ball gets tipped, interception. Georgia Tech goes down the field and scores. Makes it 31-23. But again, the run defense was just it, it was just so bad because like Georgia just got anything they wanted. And it, it that that's it literally cost them the game at the end because they try the onside kick at the end of the game, didn't get it, but you still have all three timeouts. If you can find a way to get stops, you you might have a chance to get the ball back and go down there and tie the game. That's not what happened though. Like they they were able to just get the yards they needed to, got the first down, and and that was it. I mean, Kendall Milton, 156 yards. Dewan Edwards, 61. You know, Dylan Bell had a big run. But it was just – I thought the game plan was pretty clear that it was going to be Kendall Milton, Dewan Edwards. If you can stop it, we'll switch it up. If you can't, like, that's just our game plan. Yeah, and the one thing I want to add is um, there was really only one drive uh, the whole game, you know, where they didn't lean on the run game. And that was the only – uh possession the entire game where Georgia punted and that was coming uh straight out of halftime they threw three incomplete passes um and punted the ball yeah and I guess we'll, we'll get into a kind of a drive-by drive thing but I thought that was a that was a big inflection point in the game because you know it was 21 to 13 Aiden Burrid just missed the field goal and you're thinking oh man like that's missed opportunity to get points either to tie the game or in that case the the three points for the field goal and you knew Georgia was going to get the ball coming out of the half and it was all right we haven't been able to stop them really all game except when they've stopped themselves like we that that was it that was a huge drive and uh, that 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 shows that there were opportunities in this game like this this wasn't a Georgia raced out to a lead and then Tech just kind of clawed their way back in like there were multiple opportunities when Tech was down one score to try to uh try to get this thing a little closer but all right so we talked about the edwards fumble leading to the king touchdown seven nothing georgia nine plays 83 yards uh that that was one of their easiest drives uh all night i mean carson beck went deep to dominic lovett actually that was four plays 37 yards excuse me i was uh, misread that one there because that that was the easiest uh drive georgia had all night like the, it, that that was kind of when you knew what they were capable of if they weren't going to turn the ball over but what does Tech do? Nine plays, 83 yards. And this was one of the first – this is something that's been talked about pretty much since yesterday. So fourth and one at Georgia's eight-yard line. Brent Key opts for the field goal. It's good. But I think when you are a 24-and-a-half-point underdog going up and you know you can't get a lot of stops, I, I get you want to get points there and you don't want to have empty possessions against Georgia – 
But if you can't stop them from anywhere on the field, like make them drive 92 yards. And if you don't, in if you don't get the fourth down, you don't get it. But especially look at the way they ran the ball all night. Like they could have, I guess, let, let's just get your thoughts on, on that, uh, on that call and just kind of, you know, how, how much it changed the game. Yeah, I, I think it was crucial. Um, Brent Key was really conservative early. You know, he kind of stretched that out later in the game, having to claw back. Um, but if you just look at that drive, not even the whole game, like we were running over Georgia, seven yards, nine yards, four yards, four yards. And, you know, with the way Buster Faulkner was calling plays, I, I think uh, that's a pretty easy fourth down to pick up, you know, deep into Georgia's territory. And if you don't get it, Georgia has to drive um, 90 yards, which you're not entirely sure they can do. Um, I, I just think that was a big miss. I, I think it was crucial to go for that fourth down. Whether you got it or not, it doesn't matter cause, because Georgia would be so far back. Um, field goals aren't going to be the number one team in the country. It's just not. I agree with you there. But they did hit it. It was 10 to 7. And, you know, Georgia ran a couple plays on their next drive before uh, the game went to the second quarter. Beck had a pass go incomplete. Deron Edwards loses a yard. Uh, Trenelius Tatum gets a tackle for loss. So you're opening the second quarter with a 10 to 7 lead and a third and 11 opportunity. It's a chance to get off the field. And what happens? Carson Beck finds Dewan Edwards for 26 yards, a couple more chunk plays. Georgia gets the lead back 14 to 10 after Kendall Milton goes into the end zone. But again, Georgia Tech punched right back. And what me and you talked about, you know, explosives are good in most games, but when your defense is so bad, you have to be able to control the tempo of the game and the time of possession. Um, I, I'm not a time of possession guy. I think it's it's mostly an empty stat. But I, I do think in this game, being able to control the tempo and dictate the pace was important. And after Georgia goes and gets a quick score, what does Georgia Tech do? They go 12 plays, six and a half minutes, and it winds up as just a field goal. But that was when you could kind of tell, like, you know, if, if they can keep doing this, like, it's going to be a closer game. Like, they were executing that to perfection, I thought. Yeah, and if you um, if you look at the you know plays of that drive, that was close to not being a field goal. I, we were we were rushing down the field, um, and, and then obviously the Jamal Haynes fumble, uh, we lost a few yards. And we had to kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, but it was it was really close to you know us keeping pace with Georgia. Um, and, you know, we would have had the lead if yeah, that wasn't a field goal. And then, you know, to kind of end the half there, Tech goes down the field, and then uh, Haynes King gets sacked. They call a timeout, and I was worried about what was going to happen. I was kind of wanting to get your thoughts on this. They wanted to run. It was nine seconds left. They didn't have any timeouts, and they were wanting to run, run one more play, even though they were already in field goal range. You know, from my vantage point up in the press box, I thought Eric Singleton got just open enough. I, I, you know the throw I'm talking about um, at the end of the first half when King put it in the end zone towards Singleton and it, it there just wasn't enough space. Like I thought he had just enough uh, to, to make it, but they, they couldn't connect. Aiden Burr tries a field goal, was no good. And that was setting up for like a huge possession in the opening, in the opening drive of the third quarter because, again, Georgia got the ball. And, and Georgia Tech had just been unable to stop them. So that was, you know, 
going to be huge coming out of it. And like you said earlier, what happened? Three plays, they only got one yard out of it, and Georgia Tech got the ball back, but they couldn't do anything with it. And then they went uh, – they couldn't do anything with the ball. Like they kind of – there was a little bit of a stalemate there, and then Georgia won the third quarter. They got a field goal, went up 24-13, got another touchdown. It was 31-13, to and that was – it started to feel like last year a little bit. Um, so we talked about it on Friday, you know, it was a 13 to 7 game midway through the third quarter last year. Dylan Leonard drops a pass, could have been a huge gain. Just completely killed the momentum of the game and then Brock Bowers scored a touchdown and things snowballed from there and Georgia won big. That's what it was starting to feel. Did it start to feel that way to you? It did to me. Yeah, I it kind of felt like, you know, we were losing track of um the game like it was slipping out of our hands a little bit. Yeah, but again, their ability to punch back in the fourth quarter was just great. Aiden Burr hits a 40-yard field goal. Uh, Georgia has a drive. That's when they got down. Georgia starts at Georgia Tech's 46. It was kind of a, a – it looked like a short kick to me. The one that Dylan Bell ran like 40 yards and got into Tech territory. It looked like a bit of a shorter kick than normal. Uh, I'm sure that was probably on purpose, but then – you know, you had Dewan Edwards' eight-yard run, Arian Smith' eleven yards. They got down all the way to the six-yard line, and it looked like Georgia was going to go punctuate it, and pretty much in the game, thirty-eight to six, it go up thirty-eight to sixteen. Everything's over, and what happens? KJ Wallace gets interception. Georgia Tech gets the ball back, and then goes and scores. Uh, Haynes King running for another touchdown, but it was. They just they they just didn't have enough to, to get back in it. Like I said, the onside kick did not go well. Georgia got the ball back, ran it down there. 31-23 is your final. But I guess is this a win? Like I I, I know like a, a lot of people don't get into moral victories, and it's you know it's a loss is a loss no matter what. But I think you saw the best elements of what Brent Key has built this year, and they lost to the number one team in the country only because of their their bad elements. Like, you you, you saw the, the vision of what he wanted to be. And, like, I asked him after the game, you know, like, do you think this program's in a better shape than when you took it over? Because we're almost at a year you know, now when, when that happened. I mean, all he said was yes. Like, that, that it, was, it was as simple as answers you could ask for. I would agree with that. But what does this result, like, mean? What, what do you think this result means, even though they lost? I, I think I think Brent Key doesn't want to admit it, but I, I, I think this is a victory. I, I think this means um, contention in the ACC in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, if Buster Faulkner um, doesn't get sniped from another college and stays here, um, we could be a top offense in the ACC without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and I think this means being a true contender in the conference and more wins than six uh, are in, are in the future. That's the thing. Like, I think it's a good building block to build off of because, you know, we'll, we'll get into kind of a review of the season at a later date, but I think, you know, something, if they can somehow nail consistency next year, because, you know, at the beginning of the year, if you'd have told me they beat Miami, North Carolina, I'd have thought possibly they won eight or nine games because there was a certain set of games, you know, I was giving them as wins. And then, you know, 
the, you had the Bowling Green loss. You had uh, other poor performances as well. The Boston College one, you know, that looks worse in hindsight, you know, because Boston College has looked dreadful ever since they clinched a spot in a bowl game. So it, it's just going to be doing better and, and being consistent week to week. And I think the defense should be priority number one um, this offseason. Look, we're about to enter a, a super busy time. Transfer portal uh, opens up next Monday, not this, yeah, next after championship games is Saturday. Early signing day, recruiting is coming down the way. The roster could look a lot different. You know, we'll, we'll see how all that goes. It's probably not good to speculate on that just right now, but I, I do think it, it, it shows growth. And, you know, there are certain things, you know, I, you know I've seen being said, well, if, if Georgia had brought Bowers or McConkie and they actually tried, it wouldn't have been that close. But, like, I'll just point out that the the way Georgia Tech ran the ball on offense, I, I thought was the the thing I, I can take away most from this game is that's what Brent Key wants this to look like. He wants it to be a physical bunch, be able to run the football, be explosive on offense, but be able to control the tempo of the game because that that's I thought they did a good job of that at times. Like you know, Georgia would just answer back quickly. You know, whether it was poor tackling and run defense, Carson Beck hit Dominic Levin on that big pass. Like they answered well, but there were times when you know, Georgia Tech just wanted to run the football and control the clock, and they were able to do that, and I think that's encouraging. But, again, a loss is a loss. You know, at, at some point, you know, the moral victories against Georgia can't – you know, you can't keep piling those up. You know, you want to be able to win the game at some point. But, overall, just to, just to kind of put a bow on it, good effort, much better effort than – I don't think effort's the right word. A, a much better outcome than was expected. I always thought they would give good effort because they always get up for games like that. But uh, it was a much better outcome than I anticipated. Um, anything else you want to add on top of that? Um, I, I just want to say, re- regardless of the loss, I think this game really shows the identity of Georgia Tech football going forward. Um, and I think it shows the... I don't know what the word is, the, the grit of the team. Like, you know, the ability to be down by two or three possessions to the number one team and go down and drive and score and, you know, get a pick. It's crucial in the red zone. Um, so I, I think it shows that Georgia Tech is going to be a very, very tough team in the future. Yep. Just got to build off of it, though. You know, yep. just because you were good at one thing one year doesn't mean you're going to be good at it the next. So, uh, we'll see how that goes. Just a couple other things to hit on before we get out of here. Um, some other bad news happened before the game yesterday. Four-star cornerback Trajan Greco, he decommitted um, from Tech. If According to the 247 Sports Composite, he was the second-highest-rated commit in the class. He was a top 200 player in the country. Plays at Mill Creek, obviously, which is a powerhouse in the state of Georgia as far as high school goes. Really talented player. He's been having a great season. I know he was on a visit to Missouri last weekend, but um yeah that that's uh you got to be able to find a way to keep guys like that you know for for especially in state like th- those hurt you um we'll we'll see if, if key can uh recoup some of the the losses they've had on the recruiting trail and try to uh try 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 to build this up i mean it's a top 35 class which i think is pretty pretty decent in my opinion you know it's better than it has been in a few years and they have some some top guys on that but Man, losing him in this class hurts. Um, basketball, Mississippi State, number 25 Mississippi State comes to town um, Tuesday. 
I know uh, the Cincinnati game was not very good. You know, we're not going to get into that here, but we'll see if they can bounce back. You know, these are all growth opportunities, and it's not just Mississippi State this week. They got Duke this week um, as well. So a lot of interesting stuff happening. But, you know, here's the good thing is, after this Georgia game, it's not the end. You know, a lot of after the Georgia game, the past few years, it's just been, all right, well, season's over now. We'll see what happens next year. There's still another game, and that is going to be coming next Sunday, I believe, is when they're all going to be announced after the championship games and after the college football playoff teams are announced. Me and RJ are going to be here for a live reaction to whatever bowl is sent. Um, and, you know, I, I do plan on being there to cover it as long as it's not in El Paso, by the way. So, if uh, we'll see where, where Georgia Tech goes for a bowl game, could be the Sun Bowl, could be the Pinstripe Bowl, could be the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Like, there's a lot of different stuff floating around there, and there's a lot of different teams, ACC teams in particular. Syracuse got bowl eligible yesterday, so it could change some of the projections and uh, where some of these teams are going. But we will be here to cover it next Sunday. And anything else before we get out of here, RJ? Not really. Not really. Uh, just, just just hoping to beat Mississippi State. Tomorrow. <laughs> let, let, let's let's hope for a more maybe we'll get a moral victory as a result on uh, Tuesday. Maybe we can keep it close in Cincinnati. But that's gonna do it for us. That is RJ Schaefer. This is Jackson Caldell, co-host of the Believe in Georgia Tech podcast, and we will see you next time. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.